Welcome to the Parkway Live Church Podcast. Thank you for taking time to let God's Word impact you. Always encouraged to know God is touching lives through this ministry. Please visit parkwaylife.com to let us know. You can also hit the giving tab to sow into the ministry that you are experiencing. Now, prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I, uh, my parents, during Thanksgiving, next year it'll be on Thanksgiving Day that they'll celebrate their 50th anniversary on Thanksgiving Day next year. So this year during Thanksgiving, you know, we celebrated it was their 49th anniversary. And, you know, when, when people are married that long, you start thinking, man, how did they, how'd they do that? And, and you want to get the secret of a long marriage. And it was asked one time, you know, somebody asked somebody, how, a couple was celebrating their golden wedding anniversary. I mean, it's, it's golden. So how, how did it happen? So they came up to the man. They said, sir, what, 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 what was the secret? It was a newspaper man, and he was kind of going to write an article about it and put it in the paper and just give out their secrets. And they said, sure. So he said, well, the first of all, it happened, it really all started on our honeymoon. And he goes, well, okay, I didn't know he was going to go there. But, and he uh, said, yeah, it started on our honeymoon. He said, we, we took a, a trip down into the Grand Canyon. And he said, we had some pack mules that we took down with us. And, and you know, we were, we were riding them and such. And he said, uh, he said so it was on our honeymoon, and we we're riding down in the canyon, and, and uh, the, the mule just stumbled. And I heard her say under her breath, there's once. And and about half a mile later, the mule stumbled again, and I heard her say, that's twice. And then about a half a mile later, the mule stumbled again, and she says, that's the third time. And she reached just very quietly into her purse on the back of the mule and pulled out a revolver, a revolver and shot the mule dead. The man turned to her and he was mad. He said, honey, what have you done? You should not have treated that mule like that. And he was mad. She said, that's once. <laughs> and he said, since then we've had a great marriage. Things have just worked out beautifully. Hey, you love the Lord today? You love the Lord today. He's an awesome Savior. And, and uh, so just be careful after Thanksgiving. You know, if she said once, twice, man, you just, just be quiet. Just be quiet. I want to talk to you today. I feel like I've got something today I want to share with you and try to open up in the Word of God. If you have your worship guide uh, anywhere close to you, you want to grab that. And on the back of that is a place to write notes. And if you don't have a pen, I always say look to the lady close to you with the biggest purse. There's all kind of things in there. And you can get you multiple pens, anything like that. And the reason why is because kind of the way that I am going to preach today is a little bit of the way that I often preach on Wednesday nights. And that is kind of breaking down the Word of God, opening up some truths in the Word of God. Preachers call it expository preaching where we just kind of take the Word of God and we break it down by Scripture and then amplify each part of the text. It's a great way to do Bible study. You can learn a lot today by how 
to do Bible study if you'll take notes and pick up on how I'm doing this today. It's called expository study, and God can open up things to you in the Word of God, and that's exactly what he did with me on this text, and so I want to read it to you. First of all, it's just an amazing text anyways. Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. We're going to make this easy today. We're going to go old school. We're going to read out of the King James Version, okay? Here it goes. And it came to pass as he that being Jesus, went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him 10 men that were lepers which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. And he fell down on his face at his at his feet at the feet of Jesus, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, "Where were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, Thy faith hath made thee whole. Isn't that a great text? Great story from the Word of God. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. We're going to start with verse 11. And I hope to preach to you in a way today that impacts your life and minister to you as it did me as I study this text. Verse 11, the Bible says that Jesus passed through Samaria. Now, you've got to understand their interstate system was not like our interstate system in the sense that we jump in our cars, we jump on the interstate, and we get to somewhere really quick unless you're trying to get down Dowling on Black Friday. And, and it's just different. In fact, they're, they're kind of like that story I told earlier. They got pack mules, and they're taking these pack mules. Sometimes maybe they're riding them. Maybe they're walking with them. In other words, what I'm trying to say, you just don't pass through somewhere without putting a thought in the fact that I want to go through there. You're just not going to go, well, I'm just going to, we're going to take this exit. I took the wrong exit and ended up in Samaria. It didn't happen like that. Hello? It didn't happen like that. No, you, 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 you have to know where you're going. You have to make sure you understand, I am going to Samaria today. And Jesus made up in his mind, I'm going to Samaria today. And now, now that may not sound like that big a deal to you, but you've got to understand, Jesus was of Jewish descent, and he's going to Samaria. Jews, first of all, don't go to Samaria. Samaria was, they were outcasts there. They worshiped foreign gods, and the Jews hated the Samaritan. And for some reason, Jesus says, I'm going to walk, ride a pack mule to Samaria today. I mean, a big, big deal. 
And, and, and I've got to thinking about this and the fact that you have got to love a Jesus that is willing to take a chance on his reputation to meet you in your brokenness. He, he's not just, again, taking a wrong exit to get there. He made up in his mind, as a Jew, I'm going to go to this place. I'm going to be talked about as a Jew, as a leader, as someone that knows me. And they're going to say, what's he doing in Samaria? But I'm going to take a chance because somebody in Samaria needs a healing. Somebody in, the, in Samaria needs something from me. Verse 12, we find that the lepers saw Jesus, but the Bible said they stood afar off. They saw him. Jesus was coming there to see them. Don't tell me that Jesus didn't know where he was going when he went to Samaria. But the Bible says they saw him, but they stood afar off. And, and the question is, in this moment, is why in the world were they standing afar off? Of course, you and I would instantly understand what that means. They had leprosy. They had a disease. It's kind of like some of y'all this morning. Some of y'all told me you had a stomach virus. I stood afar off. Are you with me? I hit my hands with the antibacterial stuff about three times a day. And, 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 and stood afar. In other words, their disease caused them to not approach Jesus. They stood afar off. And I find that it's absolutely classic of humanity. It's, 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 it's a picture that we see even on Sunday mornings. That it's so classic that what Jesus, listen to me closely, and if you want to write something down, what Jesus came to heal, listen to me, is sometime the same thing that we allow to use as an excuse to stand far from him. It's the reason Jesus showed up in Samaria. It's the reason Jesus is there in the first place. And they see him and they know that he's the healer. But what they have as an excuse is keeping them to being, from being close to him. And Jesus is saying, I come to help you with that. And we covered up and say, that must be impossible. This is what I've used to keep from you. In other words, I've used this excuse for 10 years. And the fact that this is the situation that I, I don't approach Jesus with because I don't come and I don't get close to his presence because of this. And Jesus said, wait a minute, I showed up because of that in your life. It's the very reason that I'm here. It's the very reason that I stopped and went to Samaria. But we're using that crutch as an excuse. We're using something that's in our life. And sometimes, and I want to say it this way, is we use the brokenness, listen to me, as a tool to keep us out when what we really need to use is to use the brokenness or the trial to drive us into his presence. Well, pastor, I've heard this say so many times, pastor, I'm hurting, I'm not coming to church. And I'm like, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Hello, you're hurting, you get to church because in his presence, the trial and the brokenness, you're at no better place than in the presence of Jesus. 
Pastor, I'm going through a tough time. You know, I'll call up people and say, where have you been? Well, I'm, I'm having a tough time at work or I'm having a tough time at this or I've had a tough situation in relationships. Wait a minute. Jesus took the exit at Samaria knowing what you were going through. Don't let that become an excuse why you can't get close to him. He came here for that. He came here for that. He knows about your leprosy. He knows about your issue. He knows about your brokenness. Let your issue drive you into his presence. And people that, that, make, uh, that reside around the house of God and they're not just a flash in the pan of success and living for God, get that principle that when I am hurting, I go to him. Lead me to the rock which is higher than I. Because in his presence, the Bible says there is what? Fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there's pleasures of him evermore. But I want to get close to him. I want to be in his presence. And all of a sudden, something began to happen. And it came over these guys with desperation. And it began to cry out to them. In verse 13, if you're taking notes, Jesus, they say, Jesus, have Master, have mercy on us. Now, you can do what you want there with that text. I, I cannot imagine them going, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Desperation don't cry out like that. You've been pushed out of the city because of your situation. You've been struggling with where you're at. And when you get desperate, there is a cry that comes from you. And the Bible says they, what? Lifted their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. I want you to stand with me just a second. Would you do that? Just, just, we're going we're to do a practice run on that. I, I know that everybody's not in the valley today. I know not everybody's on the mountaintop. But I want us just blanket corporately. I want us to practice something that's going to come to use for you at another time in your life when you realize that I'm not going to run from God in my brokenness and my trial, but I'm going to run to him. And this is what you're going to do. This is what you're going to do. I want you to lift your voice just like the text says. And I want you to say it just as the text says out loud. And you're going, oh, God, I don't know if I can do that out loud stuff. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. You do it at Dallas Cowboys game. Just do it right here. You say, Dax, bring us through. Now, I want you just a minute. I want you just a minute to do this. They lifted up their voice, and I want you to say, Jesus. I want you to cry it out. You ready? You ready? Come on. We can do that in this church. We can get loud. You ready? One, two, three. Jesus, master, have mercy on us. Boom. I instantly felt the presence of God right then. Because he shows up and says, did somebody call my name? Did somebody holler out at me? Is somebody in need? Can we do it one more time? Come on. One, two, three. Say it. And the cry of mercy stopped Jesus in his tracks. And verse 14, look at this. And it says this. And when he saw them, the next text, all of a sudden, Jesus, don't tell me again that Jesus didn't know they were there. But for the first time, it says, and he saw them. And when he saw them, there was a wake up there. You hear it? There's something that Jesus says, I see where you're at. 
I know where you're going through. I hear you calling out my name and I'm showing up right where you are at. And so now I know you're still standing. I hadn't forgotten, but I want you to do something just a minute. I want you to close your eyes. And if you're a hand lifter, I want you to throw your hands in the air. And it may not say, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. But I want you to say, Lord, whatever way you say it, God, I need you right now in my life. Master, I need you. I touch you. I need you. God, I'm a, I'm a teenager and I need you. I'm in a middle-aged man and I need you. God, I'm walking through crisis or I'm on the mountaintop, but I just want to tell you today, Jesus, I need you. Hallelujah. Now with those hands up, would you lift your voice and just worship the King of kings and Lord of lords because he's in this room today. He's right where you are at. Hallelujah. I can't do it on my own. I can't do it on my own. I'm so sick and tired of trying to do it on my own. I can't do it, man. I don't want to do it on my own. I need the mercy of an everlasting Savior. I need Jesus. Hallelujah. Somebody needs a revelation on how bad you need him today. You need him today. I need you, Jesus. I need you. And you know what? When you need him, he shows up with mercy in everything you're walking through. He didn't come to condemn them on where they got the leprosy and how they got the leprosy. He came and he extended mercy when they extended that they needed him. You may be seated. And Jesus stops and says something, and he actually goes old school here. The Bible says, Jesus sent them to show themselves to the priest. He went very old school right there. Very old school. Jesus tend generally to break everything, all of the modern things and the current religion. But that moment, I don't know why Jesus did it, but Jesus gave out a command and says, go show yourselves to the priest. Verse 14, and it came to pass. Now my, I'm going to tell you what, there is so much in the scripture, I literally, we could preach all day off this scripture right here because it is awesome. And it came to pass, that right after he says, go show yourself to priest, and it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. Have you ever seen that scripture? And as they went, they were cleansed. In other words, the cleansing and the deliverance, the victory was a process. Let you eat on that one just a little bit because we often think that it's a drive-through gospel that I don't have to really have any kind of obedience there. I'm really needing, I ordered my water burger and I need it out quicker. I ordered my healing and I really need it now. I ordered life change and I really want it now. And Jesus generally, there is times when he does it immediately, but there's often times that he puts us in the middle of an obedience process that we start having to really follow and trust the voice, the word of God in the midst of the situation. So this is what I want you to see in this picture, or get this picture. Can you see this as Jesus tells them to go show themselves to the priests? This is the picture of what happens in verse 14. They're walking along, and, 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 and we're, there's 10 men, and they're walking along, and in the process, Jerry, 
in the process, as they went, their leprosy started drying up. As they followed the obedience of the word, as they followed the voice of Jesus, as they followed the word of God. And I want to make a statement that hit me hard when I wrote this last night. Listen to this. Obedience never sees completeness until you continue to walk in it. Obedience never sees completeness until you walk in it. You got to get your feet in the process of the obedience. And, 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 and I'm, I'm not beating you up by this, but Christianity in the modern era in, in, in America has produced Christians that have great church on Sunday and maybe another time in your life and, 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 or during your week, but never really follow the word of God in obedience. It's a Sunday high or a Wednesday high, but never walk in through the gap of Sunday and to Sunday with this strong obedience that God said it and now I'm going to walk in it. How many of you, God, have literally spoken to you on a Sunday around here? Just, just be honest. Be honest with you. I mean, get it up high. Come on, as a testament. Yes, God has spoken to you. And during that week, it's not enough to hear the word and leave out of here ready to fight hell with a water pistol. You've got to follow that word. You've got to walk in that word. If God spoke a rhema to you in the middle of that week, it's not enough to come up and say, Pastor, thank you. That was just right where I was living. No, no, no. You've got to carry that on Monday, and you've got to live that word. You've got to live it on Tuesday. Am I preaching to anybody? You've got to marinate in that. You've got to grasp that. You're not going to see the benefits of obedience just by getting the word. You've got to walk it out. You've got to walk it out. Well, Jesus told me to do this, and I just don't understand why I've not seen all the miracle yet. Because you're still in the process of obeying. Don't quit at the first block. So here we go. They got to the first block. Can you imagine the Bible doesn't give us text on here. We just see as they went. So they were on their way back to the temple to show themselves the priest. And as they went, and I, I can imagine they get to the first block. Like, you know, I don't know if they had blocks, but we do. So we see it that way. They get to the first block. And, and can you imagine they're going, I really kind of feel dumb going back to the priest because I still got active leprosy going on. And it's that point, and I, I don't, I don't but there, I guarantee you there was conversation going, saying, hey, Sam, you see anything yet? Man, I haven't seen nothing yet. We're fixing to make fools out of ourselves when we get back to the temple, and we're just as bad as when we, we left last time and we're condemned. And as they went, each step of obedience produced greater victory. <laughs> each step got me closer to my complete healing. Each step got me closer to where I needed to be and it was one step at a, at a time. As they went, as they went, they were cleansed. It was process, process, process. They were in the middle of following the spoken word in their life and walking in it. Don't be quit. I tell this church something. Do 
not quit. Absolutely don't quit because you're a block into your life change and you still have leprosy holding on. Don't you stop because you're a week or one year into your life change and God is turning your life around and you still got some old vices hanging on and you're looking at other people around you and saying, man, this is all the good people and I've got vices. Hey, don't quit just because you're, you're five years into your church giving God your everything and you still got some marriage problems and say, well, I guess it's not working. No, stay in obedience, stay in the fight because if you keep staying in it, there is complete healing coming, but you gotta stay in the journey. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Don't you quit, don't you quit, don't you quit. Too many people quitting in the journey, man. Too many people stopping too early. Or they get a part of their healing, part of their restoration, and they quit. Don't quit. Turn around and tell somebody, don't you quit. Follow out the word. And when you recognize how much Jesus is doing for you, as you walk in obedience, it causes you something to just, it causes me to keep moving forward. And that's the beauty of living for God, Greg, is the fact that he does, he gives me enough in the process of obedience to keep me moving forward. It seems like every time we feel like quitting, we look at our lives and see how far we've come. And it produces something in our life. It produces hope like I'm teaching on Wednesday night. And I begin to recognize what God is doing in our life. And as you serve out his word, it produces something in your life called gratitude. Gratitude. We're in a season of thanksgiving and gratitude. And I'm preaching about today. It's time for your comeback. It's time for your comeback. Because in the process of obedience, in the process as you look and you see change going on in your life, if you're looking for it, it produces gratitude in your life. Some of you I knew when you came to church, you were broke, busted, and disgusted. I saw it on your face. And you came in a place of healing and restoration, started following the preached word, the written word, and God started cleaning your life up and you're not the same person you used to be. And you need to give God amazing gratitude for his faithfulness in your life. Stay in the fight, keep moving forward. And you can't expect complete deliverance if you're only going to have the word spoken to your life. You've got to be a doer of the word. You've got to get in the process and follow and flesh out the word and make it real in your life. You've got to do it. Verse 15, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back. So they're in this process of journey. They're in the journey. They're getting healed as they go, as they follow the word. And all of a sudden, out of 10, one dude finally looks down and sees that he's healed. One guy out of all 10, one is looking for the change and looks down and sees that he's healed. Only one comes back. His grateful heart is what brought him back to Jesus. And the other nine, notice, the other nine were Jewish. 
Now, I'm not beating up the Jewish people here today, but the other nine were Jewish. And the scripture brings out very clearly that there's one different than all the others. There's one foreigner. In fact, in this text, one time it calls this him, and he was a Samaritan. That's the second time it said it. And then the third time it says, and the stranger came back. There's one that's different than all of the other, but it was that one, it was that one that saw that he was healed, and when he saw that he was healed, he had a turnaround. He did a 180 and started going back to Jesus. He turned back, turned back. And I got to thinking about that because sometimes the nine get the problem that we all get sometimes, and that is a sense of entitlement. We all get to that place sometimes that when God does what I've been praying about, instead of thanking him, I say it's about time. I start saying, well, I'm going to tell you what, I didn't think he was ever going to come through. It was about time he came through. I was about to give up on him. I was about to quit. Jesus don't want to hear all that trash. It's like some of y'all, and I'm going to bust your hide. You ready? I'm going to bust your hide. I'm so tired of people hitting big anniversaries in their life and putting on Facebook, dear Lord, we've been through horrible trials and tribulations. We barely made it. But I love him. Happy anniversary. <laughs> just don't put it. Just don't write it. Because that old boy is going, dear God, the whole world knows we've been through hell and back. Can you just for a minute, just keep out all the crud and just say thanks for sticking with me? Well, I told you I was going to bust you. Me and Dina about go through the roof. We know you had tough times. We know you've been through struggle. Dear Lord, you're alive. You're alive. You're, you're, and if you've done it, just take off the guilty condemnation. It's over. It's over. I don't even know who you are. We're just talking it and grace is upon you. May mercy flow upon your life. Just don't do it again. Because <laughs> you're losing the joy in the journey. You're losing the joy. You don't have to talk about all the bad. Just talk about, and I saw that I was healed. I'm in a different place. I've been with you 25 years. And it's been an awesome time. There's, sure, there's been some struggles. But, I, but I, I'm not going to focus on the struggles. I'm not going to focus on the leprosy. I'm going to focus on the healing. And I think that's the way it is coming from God sometimes. Somebody told me one time in this church, they said, Pastor, the last couple of years, we've not had one good thing happen to us. And it just happened to be somebody that I knew real well. And, and, and I, I started very lightly treading on things that I've seen that like were crazy awesome. I mean, they've been on trips and God's done this and he blessed them with this and they got this and that and all this stuff. And, and by the time we got through, what happened? Out of their hearts started producing gratitude because if you only focus on the leprosy and the process of following the obedient word of God, you will find yourself getting a sense of entitlement. By the time you get it, you're still not happy and full of joy because you've lost gratitude. Because you're saying, God, it's about time. And there was nine of them that were saying it's about time, not even caring enough to turn around to thank him for where they were. All they could focus on is, my God, why did I get this in the first place? I'm preaching to you today. But there was one. There was one, only one, that turned around. And he starts making his way back to Jesus. And rather than 
It's about time. He's saying, oh my goodness. Jesus, I was just in the journey. I was just following you. I was just being obedient. I was just showing myself the priest. And one step at a time, man, it started happening to me. And I started recognizing my life changing. I started recognizing that what I used to be, I'm not anymore. And God, I just got to stop. I just got to stop. And I got to come and let you know. And I fall at your feet and tell you, I'm not the same man that left you. I'm not the same man I used to be. I'm a new man. I'm a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away and behold, all things have become new. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap. And so, oh my goodness, I thank you. Lord, I don't deserve this. But I thank you. Lord, I'm forever indebted to you. Pilgrim sitting down on Thanksgiving Day said, he got us through the journey. Eat that turkey leg and that homemade dressing and, and cranberry sauce because Jesus brought us to this point and he's going to take us the rest of the way. Come on, pilgrims. In the journey that you are in, you got to say, you got to just have a stopping moment. It's time for your Come back to Jesus. It's time for you to come back to Jesus. He's been mighty, mighty good to you and me. Who I'm tempted to have you stand right now and have a Holy Ghost explosion of worship. But I hope it's bouncing in your heart right now. It's, I know you're full of chicken dinner and everything else, but just shake it off for just a minute because I'm telling you, the presence of the Lord is speaking to your life today and telling you it's time for your comeback. You need to count your blessings and realize you're not what you used to be. I know you still got some crud, but you're not what you used to be. Hallelujah. 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 Come on. Come on. That's worthy the more than a... No, 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 no. That's, that's giving God your best, man. Give God your best right now. Give God your best. Your best. The best you got to offer. I don't know. I'm not letting, no, I'm giving my best. I'm taking a turnaround. I'm going back to his feet, and I'm, it's time for my comeback. And I want to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. A year ago, this is where I was, but look where I'm at now, Lord. You've been good to me. Woo, would you sit down, Richard? Stay standing up, stay standing up, Richard. Richard told me last Sunday, he came out after, after Pastor Scobie preached, Richard walked up to me, and this is what he told me. And it just hit me, Richard. It was awesome, man. He stood right here, and he said, Pastor, I gotta tell you, people in this church, they need to hear this. One year ago, my house burnt down. I lost everything I had. Every, I didn't have a pot. I didn't have a pan. I didn't have a bed. I didn't have anything. I had 
nothing one year ago. And he said, I just want to walk up here and tell you how good God's been to me. He said, Pastor, listen to this. Pastor, I started coming to this church and God, I gave my life. I started, God started transforming me. He was been following an obedient word of God and walking to the truth every day a little bit more. And he said, let me just tell you what God's been doing to me. Let me tell you, he said, I got a place to live back. I, I, he said, this, this church supplied me with pots and pans. You, you, you ladies can out of the woodwork, gave pots and pans, and, and we didn't ever make an announcement here, but these church started working and doing its work in their life groups, and life groups started standing up, pots and pans, beds, house to live in. Folk, he said, Pastor, I got, a, I got every possible thing I need, and it's a lot newer and better than I used to have. You know what? Because God just works that kind of way. And I know, I know you and I, we didn't lose all that. And, and, and I'm not trying to make any of us feel guilty, but we get a little sense of entitlement going, well, God bless Richard. But I'm gonna tell you what, you wasn't all that either a year ago either. You might have had a house and pots and pans and this and that and a job, but I'm gonna tell you, if you'll look back, if you followed what he told you to do, if you followed the word, you're not the same person you were one year ago. Richard, when I looked back and I saw your big old tall dude standing with your hands up, it leapt out to me of the goodness of God. It's one, one, one Samaritan. He would a year ago probably would have walked in this room and said, I feel like a stranger, but God's in the stranger loving business. <laughs> would you stand and give the Lord a shout of praise? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. Now, now can I preach to you? You may be seated. It was the comeback, it was the comeback that upsized his healing. It was the comeback that upsized his healing. The other nine missed a deeper healing because they didn't come back. They never really saw what Jesus did for them. But one came back and said, thanks. And your comeback is actually going to be the key to your comeback. I'm gonna say it again. Your comeback is going to be the key to your comeback. Because gratefulness always takes us deeper into what God has for us than just taking our one miracle and running with it. When you come back and share gratitude and thanksgiving, the thankful foreigner came back, the stranger, and he broke from the pack to express worship and gratitude to Jesus, and he ended up with a deeper level than the other nine but it's going against the flow because all of the 90%, and you'll find that even in our world, are flowing in the vein of selfishness and entitlement. But there's gotta be a moment that you stop in your tracks 
and you start your way back to him, living a life of absolutely thankfulness and gratitude. Look at verse 15. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and, uh uh-oh, and with a loud voice glorified God. Everybody say a loud voice. Well, church supposed to be quiet, man. We supposed to be quiet. It's reverent to be quiet. And I know there's times and seasons for that until you get healed. That's what I'm talking about. Until you get healed. We got one old boy in this church. I don't even know who it is, but every once in a while I hear it go, boy, they let out a whistle. Can you imagine people in this place going, dear Lord, you, you don't know, you don't know what he got healed of. Before, before you start judging, before it gets on your nerves that the person on you always has their hands up. Before you get frustrated that they're just a little too loud at church, you need to check out at the life change that they saw. What God delivered them from and what they're now in. And with a loud voice, they glorified God. Hear the excitement in his worship. It's based on something. In our text, the the lepers were all healed, but only one saw it. Only one was looking for the change. Your excitement in worship is usually, listen to this, is usually based on how much you recognize what he's done for you. I, I got... In other churches, I've noticed this. That's the way you free. Get, get, get out of trouble right there. In other churches, I've noticed that there's some people, they cannot bring themselves any kind of outside worship. I mean, stoic, full of pride, eating up with self. You can call it what it is. I don't know. But everybody will be worshiping in their life. And I look back and I know they're thinking, well, I'm just beyond this. I'm too good for this. And I'm really not the emotional kind. I look back and go, they never really saw it, did they? They, they, they never saw it. They never saw the road they were on and where they would be. They never saw it. Because a heart that sees it gets loud and says, Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Their worship is a thermostat. It shows that they recognize the temperature of what God has done in their life. And all of a sudden, it comes out from them, Lord, thank you. You, thank you. And the text goes, oh, by the way, he was a Samaritan. In other words, he probably shouldn't even been there and he knew it. He got it. And this is what happened after the grateful foreigner returned to Jesus, verse 19. Scott, you make your way up. And he said unto him, 
Arise, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Hear it? There's a deeper level for the one who breaks the pack of entitlement. And I deserve this to the one that comes back. Now, don't think that I'm through preaching. I'm just now getting to the good part. He made whole. He was made whole. Practicing gratitude allows us to see God, and we start seeing God in the details. I think my wife personally, and she's the one I know best in this room, she's a master at this. She sees God in everything. And she, she doesn't realize this, but she, even this week, she, something happened. I just love how she sees God in the details. And gratitude produces that. And she'll say, honey, look what God did. And, and it just, she sees him in everything. Thank you, Dean. It encourages my faith. Because gratitude produces that you start seeing God in everything. And when you start seeing God in everything, there's something about that that God begins to make wholeness inside of you. Health. Health, wholeness. I want to make a statement here, and I should have put this on the screen for you, and that is this. It is not joy that makes us grateful. It is gratitude that makes us joyful. I'll say it again. It is not joy that makes us grateful. It is gratitude that makes us joyful. Your comeback is the key to your real comeback. Gratitude brings you back to Jesus.
somebody's gonna grab me, somebody's gonna pray for me, somebody's gonna shake me. We don't, we don't do anything outside of your will here, okay? It's your will. You gotta come, you gotta make decisions, all stuff with God. We don't drag you to the altar. You, you understand that about Parkway Life? We don't do that. You gotta make that decision. It's your free moral agent, you gotta make the decision. But I'd sure like, I'd sure would like to see how many in this room would use the aisle as a place that you could be your comeback today. That you would step out of the aisle, whether you're at the back or the front, and get as close to this front as we sing this song. And don't come up here staring at me. I want you to come up and I want you to throw your hands up and I want you to give God all the gratitude that you can muster up in your system and tell him, Lord, I thank you for where you have brought me from. Thank you that you stopped the disease that was stealing away everything that I had. Look here, Debbie's coming. Debbie's in, in horrible health, but I love that she stepped out first. Is there anybody, come on, that'll make your way? I'm not gonna beg you out. You can do it whether you want to or not. We're gonna sing, and I want you to come and just worship. If you can just get to an aisle closest to you, but let it start and come back. Come on. Sound yes, Oh, my God. 